The relationship between the chair and the CEO. How can you make it work? The relationship between the chair and the CEO is widely considered to be one of the most significant, if not the most significant, in any organization. If the relationship is working well, it is a powerful alliance that can energize, inspire, and uplift a whole organization. But if the relationship is broken, the effects are felt throughout the organization. What is more, the state of a broken relationship provides a good story for the media, resulting in broken careers and tarnished reputations. Welcome to the Better Boss podcast series. In this episode, I'm honored to talk with Sir John Tusa about the relationship between the chair and the CEO. How can you make it work? Sir John is the most eminent chairman of cultural institutions in the UK. He can look back on serving on the boards of the most iconic cultural institutions in the United Kingdom that includes the National Portrait Gallery, the English National Opera and the British Museum. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series, Sir John. It's an absolute honor to have you contributing. Great pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much, Sabine. I mean, you had such a distinguished board career and you shaped some of the most iconic institutions in the UK. In your recent book on board, The Insider's Guide to Surviving Life in the Boardroom, you devoted quite some pages on the special relationship between the chair and the CEO. What makes this relationship really so important? Because it's the relationship at the very top of the organization. And if the chief executive and the person who is supervising the chief executive really don't get on or don't understand one another, then the entire organization will be damaged. And I have seen cases, for example, in the BBC, where the chairman of the BBC really didn't like and rather scorned the chief executive. And it was a terrible relationship. And the board the management board and the supervisory board were at war for four to five years. It was a nearly a complete disaster. On the other hand, when you look at something like the British Museum, many years later, when Neil McGregor was the director and Niall Fitzgerald was the chair, and they spent several months getting to know one another before Fitzgerald agreed to become chair. And that was a fantastic relationship in the British Museum thrived as a result. But unless there's total trust at the top, then the organization will be damaged. I mean, that's interesting that they spent several months getting to know each other. You know, I read the other day the statistics, 49% of all chairs of our top 150 organizations are in their role for less than three years. What can they learn from this? What can they do to really get to know each other? Well, the first thing they need to know is that after three years, you are only just beginning to be any good as the chair. And you really ought to know what your chief executive is, is like by then. But they do just have to talk and to meet and to meet socially. When I was chair of the University of the Arts London, and we were appointing a chief executive, the vice chancellor, we had six interviews with him before we appointed him. And I knew by then that we were going to be able to work together. Now, we never got too close. 
though we're now friends, but at the time we knew enough of one another and that was a crucial basis for our understanding. I said, I want to tell you one thing about how our relationship will work. You will always hear it from me first. I will never talk to anybody about you behind your back, and I know you won't either. You will hear it from me first on that basis, and we work together with great success and great pleasure because Pleasure is terribly important. You ought to work for it, but you do have to work for it. After all, you're two human beings. People think that this is about official posts. In the end, you're human beings. And if you can't relate as human beings, you probably can't relate as chair and chief executive. Absolutely crucial point. It's not made easier at the moment in the time of the lockdown where everything is virtual. Do you have any good advice how people can develop this relationship in the virtual world? I am struck with horror as to how you might do it. You can try terribly hard, and I think you have to be ultra careful, and you probably have to take decisions more cautiously, more slowly, more thoroughly, because all the little signals that you get from individual human beings when you are with them face to face, you don't much get on Zoom or you get more slowly. So my advice, I think, would be to take more time over decisions to make sure that you are not misreading somebody's reactions. And what does good really look like? What are for you the characteristics of a really good relationship between a chair and a CEO? First of all, absolute openness, as I've said, then absolute trust, and then the ability to say, I'm not sure that what you are doing is either quite right or at the right speed or in the right way, and that you have to have the confidence and the ability to express reservations. And the chief executive has to have the confidence and the ability to say to you as chair, what you are asking for is either too difficult or maybe not right, or you're asking for it too quickly. But if it's a question of timing, I will do it. But I'm, I, the chief executive, must have the right to do something at the speed that I think is right. So critical examination of one another is terribly important. A great American chair, a man called Kenneth Dayton, who was a very, very large and important business leader, as well as a great philanthropist, He had a practice of every year having the chair and the chief executive report on one another's performance to the full board. I witnessed this once, and this is a pretty scary occasion. It was perfectly honest. It had to be honest because everybody was watching. I never had the guts to do that, and I don't know many people who, who did. But as an example, perhaps, of what you should aim towards, that is such trust that you can examine and report on one another's conduct in public to your peers, that I think ought to be the aim. And also, you ought to be able to laugh together. You really should. You know, we're human beings, and people forget that in the board environment. In the book, you elaborated quite a bit on the impact the relationships, good or bad, have on the entire organization. Can you provide some examples what positive impact it can have if the relationship is really good? 
But let me give you another example of the bad relationship. I've given you one example, and that was at the BBC, and it, it was awful. At English National Opera, the chair always felt, rightly, that one of the chief executives was never giving the board the figures, the numbers that they needed. He was actively concealing all sorts of reasons for that concealment, but the, the chair didn't have the trust in the chief executive. And in the end, the chief executive had to go. But in the process, the damage that was done to English National Opera was absolutely enormous. Now, when you get things right, as at the British Museum, or I think ultimately when I was at the chair at the Wigmore Hall and we appointed quite a risky young chief executive, a very young man, but he then had the confidence to completely, slowly, but radically revolutionize what the hall did. He knew that there would be scrutiny. He knew he could always ask for help. He knew that he would always keep us informed. And on the basis of that, the hall and everything it did just took off. So the difference is chalk and cheese. That's why the relationship, A, is crucial, and B, must be worked at because it then has results. So referring back to the many chair we currently have in the UK who are relatively newly appointed, what are early warning signs for them that the relationship between them and the CEO is not where it should be? If you feel that you are not getting the right amount of information, if you feel that the chief exec and his or her team are giving you so much information that it is not intended to inform, but is actually intended to confuse, if there's any sense of holding back, if there's any sense that stories are being told either behind your back or behind the chief exec's back, If members of your board are coming to you and saying that the chief exec is talking to them before he talks to you, then at each one of these cases, you have to say, what is going on? And we must get the crucial line of communication back and straight and clear. But these would all be serious warning signs of lack of confidence and lack of trust. And how can non-executive directors support the chair in really spotting these early warning signs? Oh, well, if they themselves are aware of any of them, then they must tell the chair straight away. They must not engage in back chat about the chair with the chief executive. In other words, they must not have a relationship with the chief executive, which is closer than the relationship that they have with the chair. And they must not form cabals and groups. Mind you, if a chair discovers that a board is breaking up into groups and cabals and sects, then that is a principal task to prevent that from happening and to bring it into line very quickly. But you can always tell unease. People just feel they, that an accurate picture of what is going on is not being presented. That may sometimes be quite difficult to spot. But once you spot it, it's a real telltale sign. And unless action takes place very, very quickly. I mean, there was one board I was on where I did have factions in the board and I wasn't quick enough 
to stop them, above all, certain board members talking to the outside world about what was going on. And that caused quite a lot of short-term damage, but it was short-term damage. And I was slow to pick that up. That wasn't because of my relationship with the chief executive, but because I didn't actually keep the board in order. And what can the CEO contribute to making this relationship really work? An extremely good executive, and <laughs> both of them to do their job terribly well, and not to hide anything from the chair, but to do the job so well that the chair knows that they can operate at a higher strategic level. In other words, the executive managers and then the executive and the supervisory board can say, what do we really want this organization to do? What do we want it to be? And how can we set goals for the organization to achieve? So you have this division between absolute practicality. The chair mustn't get involved in management. Some do. But the chief exec must always listen to, they don't have to agree, so always listen to the supervisory board. At the Barbican Rives Managing Director, on the whole, the supervisory board didn't try to tell us what to do, but I like to think that is because we kept them so informed about what we were doing that they accepted that we were doing it properly. But essentially, the chief executive must do his or her job very well and not hide anything. You know, it always amazes me listening to you And we had other very experienced chairmen contribute to the Better Boards podcast series, like Sir John Parker, John Barton, Andrew Alna, Phil Eichen. You know, you make it look so easy. It just comes to you. But it is actually so difficult. It is extremely difficult. I had two or three very difficult years at the Wigmore Hall. Learning how to work with the organization, learning how to work with the chief executive. I got one chief executive wrong and then had to move to another one. I was very lucky at the University of the Arts London, where we got a very good chief executive first time. It took me at least a couple of years to learn how to work with the chief executive of the CLAW Leadership Program. And I became a much better chair for her after about two to three years, after one or two almost false starts. So it needs time, it needs work, and you do lose, lose sleep over it. It seems simple. That's only because there's a sort of refinement of experience. But the experience is often painful and almost always hard won. But it has to be won. It's so, so insightful. I hope many new chairs are listening to this podcast. Look, at the end, we normally ask, what are the three key takeaways. In, in preparation for this podcast, you actually prepared 10 commandments for chairs and chief executives. And I found them so important and so insightful. It would be fantastic if you could tell our listeners your 10 commandments for chairs and uh, chief executives. I happily do so. Some of them I've referred to, but nevertheless, as I wrote them as a group of 10, I, I'll, I'll go through all 10 Number one, the core of the relationship, you, the chief exec, or chat, will always hear it from me first. Number two, governance is governance and management is management. Do both of you accept and understand that distinction? Number three, how well do you know one another? I mean, 
really know. Number four, chair and CEO. Separate, independent, but a partnership. Can you handle this? Number five, chair and CEO. Partnership in making a great board. Number six, the hard truth of the relationship. Defined like this, close partnership until the time that I, the chair, may have to sack you. Is this too tough for you? Number seven, the role of the chair, to scrutinize, to challenge, but not to interfere. Number eight, the role of the CEO, to give the board the information that they need, not to swamp them with information to avoid proper scrutiny. Number nine, is the CEO ready to listen to the chair and board? Number 10, a word to the chair. Do you accept that the organization is bigger than you? Are you ready to serve it? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you ever so much, Sir John. It's a tremendous honor to have you contributing. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure, Sabine. Thank you very much for helping me to think some of these things out. I do hope it's useful. Thank you. Thank you. How can we help you and your board to become more effective? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. Get in touch. You can best reach us on info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening.